Welcome back to another episode of The Silent Battle. I hope everyone is having a great week so far. I have an awesome segment for you all today. Again, I'm your host, Erica Honeycutt, and today I will be interviewing my friend and registered dietitian and board certified specialist in obesity and weight management, Bobby Marie Gray. Bobby Marie is from Jonesboro, Tennessee. She also was my dietitian before she sadly moved away on me. <laughs> Today, she is going to share with us some good tips on becoming more healthy and how to shed those unwanted pounds with diet and exercise. Let's get started. Welcome, Bobby Marie. Thank you for being part of the Silent Battle podcast today. Good morning, and thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Bobby Marie, can you tell us how long have you been a dietitian? I started on my journey of uh, my second career, which is being a registered dietitian, um, about 15 years ago and formally became licensed and practicing uh, a decade ago now. Oh, wow. So why does it seem like the older you are, the harder it is to lose weight? So... That's a great question, and it's one that I get from a lot of my patients. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, working in weight management, everyone um, says, man, I hit this age, maybe it's 30 <laughs> or 40 or 50, and things just went downhill, or they'll say, my metabolism is just broken. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, because, <laughs> like, when you're younger, it just seems like, you know, I can remember back when I'm younger, when I was younger, I could eat probably whatever I wanted and not gain a pound. And if I tried that today, I'd gain a pound overnight. <laughs> so, yeah, it certainly feels that way. Yes. But when we think about metabolism, I, I first want to clarify kind of what metabolism is, because I think it's this, it's this word that we use that a lot of people might not exactly understand all that it encompasses, mm -hmm. but metabolism is you know obviously how our body is managing our nutrition kind of digestion and absorption and it's all of those things but it's also um, kind of what we call our basal metabolic rate mm -hmm. and our basal metabolic rate is the amount of energy that your body utilizes just to stay alive so we have that component where we have to have energy and calories to just keep our our heart beating and our lungs breathing and all of those things even if we weren't moving our body at all throughout the day and then on top of that we have of course digestion so kind of the thermal effect of food when we're eating and then we also have you know things like our non-exercise activity thermogenesis which is the amount of energy that we use throughout the day when we're moving not necessarily exercising mm -hmm. but just moving throughout the day doing normal day-to-day -day stuff and then of course we do have exercise <laughs> so right. that's another component too so when you're looking at the big picture of metabolism and the energy that your body is using it it is different for everyone we're all going to have a different kind of basal metabolic rate that can be influenced by genetics, age, gender, um, mm -hmm. you know, lots of different um, aspects, the amount of lean muscle mass that you have. But the one thing I um, encourage with my patients is that your metabolism really doesn't change that much. Hmm. Believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I know. It's it's really stays the same through this kind of midlife time frame that a lot of us feel like it starts to fail us. That's interesting. So, yeah, it is because it, it seems to go against what we 
feel, right? right. Or what we see with weight gain, especially that's the time frame for a lot of folks where they start to see weight increase. Mm-hmm. But what we what we see is not that we have metabolism changes. You know, our basal metabolic rate stays pretty consistent, pretty mm-hmm. stable up until we're in our 70s. Believe it or not. Yeah, it stays pretty much the same. And then it starts to decline, you know, kind of in our our older years. Mm -hmm. But what does change in this mid-life kind of time frame is what we do, right? So our eating may stay the same. We may be eating very similarly to how we were, you know, in our 20s or in our teens. But other life things start to happen, right? We become maybe uh, more sedentary because of our jobs right sit more throughout the day maybe we're not moving our body as much throughout the day as we were before maybe we still are exercising but throughout the day the movement that we do looks different Mm -hmm. we also tend to start losing some muscle mass through this time frame um if we're not careful we can certainly start to lose a lot of that lean muscle mass yeah and so it's a combination of those things that impact just how much energy output we're putting um kind of out every single day and then our nutrition really isn't changing so we kind of tip the scale as far as energy balance goes in that we're still getting maybe the same amount of calories in but that energy that's going out is being changed in a few different ways and plus we also start to see medical conditions arise around this time frame and that can also influence um weight gain Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more i know Um, absolutely yeah but we also have think about marriage having children things like that that's all going to influence just life right yeah (laughs) True. Well, you know, and that was one of, that was actually going to be my next question because, you know, I was going to, you know, I was thinking that, you know, before you said that your metabolism doesn't change, you know, I'm guilty of thinking also that, you know, that it does change. You know, I was thinking that, you know, maybe your metabolism, you know, changes as you get older, it slows down or something. So that's very interesting that you said that it actually stays the same till you're about 70 years old. And so with, but it's the fact that the energy level, your energy level changes throughout the year. So that's, is that, so that's basically what you're saying is, you know, that may be the cause of, of, um, you know, weight gain because your your energy level is is changing, but your metabolism is staying the same. And so, um, that's you know what was my next question was how do you boost your metabolism? Yeah, that's well, and that's another great question that gets asked a lot. And I do want to point out if anyone's interested in the a really great research study that was done um, just a couple of years ago. It came out almost exactly two years ago um, in August of 2021. There was a long-term, huge research study that was done on metabolism um, Uh that a lot of what I just talked about um, points to. And so if anyone's interested, it's called Daily Energy Expenditure Through the Human Life Course. And so they did just a wonderful job on this research study looking at metabolism through the lifespan. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if anyone's really uh, 
you know, nutrition dork like me, <laughs> you can look up that um, research study and um, read over that. But how do we speed up our metabolism? It's a, uh, it's a great question because we can't necessarily speed up our basal metabolic rate necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some things that we can do to help all of those other aspects of metabolism that I was talking about, like your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. It's actually one of the best things that we can do throughout the day and for our body and metabolism is to just move more. And again, not necessarily going to the gym and feeling like we have to spend two to three hours there, which would definitely be overkill for a lot of us. We don't have to do that. And that's not also not sustainable for most people to do something like that. So just moving your body throughout the day. How often do you sit? Are you sitting most of the day? You know, for a lot of my older patients, we talk about how often are we in the recliner? Right. <laughs> how, how much do we sit throughout the day? Or if you are working, do you have a sedentary job where you sit at a desk for the vast majority of the day? This really impacts that non-exercise activity where if we can increase the number of steps that we get throughout the day or if we can take breaks throughout the day where we move our body, even for a couple of minutes, it doesn't have to be anything drastic but just making that time to kind of move a little bit more not only will that help things like stress management but it will also help increase that non-exercise activity and your metabolism overall other things that you can do for metabolism uh, purposes is to um, make sure that we are exercising actually exercising to build lean muscle mass Mm -hmm. and Boy, oh boy, do I talk about this a lot with my patients. I am a huge advocate for making sure that you are in the gym or at home using some kind of resistance training, strength-based training to help us with that lean muscle mass, especially as we age, especially as we age. Ladies need it for bone health along with improving our lean muscle mass. And as we get older, when we have that lean muscle mass, not only is it helping our metabolism, right, but it helps our body composition. Mm -hmm. So our bodies kind of look different. So it's not necessarily about weight, right? But when we have more lean muscle mass, our bodies will look different as far as composition goes. And then as we get older, having more lean muscle mass and being able to move in a functional way means that we are more independent, or longer, right? We're able to get up and down stairs. We can get in and out of the car unassisted or up and down off of the toilet (laughs) (laughs) without assistance, Um, you know, things like that that are really, really beneficial for us. Um, So weight training, um, water, make sure you're staying really hydrated. Your cells, every cell in your body needs that hydration. So if you're not hydrating, then you're doing your metabolism a disservice as well. So Mm -hmm. make sure that you're staying hydrated. And then the last thing, actually I have two more things, but one of the things I really encourage is making sure you're getting enough protein. Um, Protein for a couple of different reasons. Protein is part of that uh, thermogenesis that happens when we are digesting food. So it takes a little bit more energy for us to break down protein than it does other types of food. So we actually 
are going to use a little bit more energy eating protein, but we also stay fuller for mm-hmm. longer with protein. And protein is going to do literally hundreds of different things in our body. Yeah. It is such a powerful macronutrient. We need to make sure that we're getting enough so that we can heal and recover, that we can you know, create things like our neurotransmitters, you know, things like dopamine, acetylcholine, these neurotransmitters that we really need to have just for our mood and stress management. Well, and it helps you build that muscle, too, that you were talking about. It does. Yeah. It's a part of literally every single organ in our body needs protein. So skin, hair, nails, muscles, all of it, we have to have that protein um, to do those things. And the last one, I promise, (laughs) is to sleep more. Not that anyone is like, oh, please give me all of the metabolism tips, but um, we want to be able to sleep. And research does support this in a huge way that when we're, especially when we're working on improving our health or on weight management, that people who get less sleep, if they are getting less than six hours a night, even if they are working on improving other aspects of their lifestyle, like their nutrition um, or exercise, if they're still not sleeping very well, then we see less of an improvement in their body composition than we do for those who sleep well. So that's just one research uh, you know, area out of many that supports sleeping more mm-hmm. uh, to help us regulate so many different aspects of our health. So I could have a, we could have a whole podcast talking about the importance <laughs> of sleep um, on weight management. Yes. But. yes. Well, and you know, um, you know, and it, your body just doesn't feel good if you don't get a, a, a good night's rest, you know? Yeah, and there's a lot to be said about that physiologically, like what happens in our deep sleep stages and and why we don't feel good when we don't sleep. Right, right. Well, and and another thing I wanted to mention, too, is (laughs) when you were my dietitian, you were really big on counting calories through the MyFitnessPal. So I wanted you to touch on that. What's the benefit of counting calories? And can you talk to us a little bit about the app, the phone app, MyFitnessPal? Yeah, so being in weight management and working um, specifically in that area, one of the my my top priority all is always let's improve your health, and you know weight loss is a byproduct of us making some of these changes, but we can't make changes if we're not aware of maybe what changes need to be made. Right. So from a, from a nutrition perspective, one of the best things that we can do is to start food logging. And it doesn't have to be with MyFitnessPal, of course. That has just been around for forever. It's kind <laughs> of the, you know, the granddaddy of um, logging apps yes. on the smartphone. But there are many, many others that uh, a lot of my uh, patients like to use. So... You know, if there's another one out there that someone likes to use, uh, I'm not just hyping up my fitness pal, mm-hmm. but um, it is going to be really helpful when we're food logging to create that awareness and mindfulness right. of the habits that we have. It keeps you so accountable. Can, yeah, it, it can be a part of the accountability, but I think it also lends a hand to us making goals mm-hmm. and the changes that are going to be helpful for us. So, for example... Just for me, 
I, I do log. I may not log every single day, but depending on my goals, I'll go through periods of time where I'm logging a little bit more than others. Mm-hmm. And I um, have some heart cardiovascular um, issues in my family that were kind of concerning. And so my doctor had noticed um, over a period of time, we have some genetic uh, propensity to higher cholesterol. And I was like, okay, I'm getting, you know, close to 40. I am now 40 and I would really like to manage my cholesterol, make sure Mm -hmm. that it doesn't continue to creep up. So I feel like as a dietitian, I eat lots of fiber rich foods. I love my vegetables. So I'm eating, you know, those plant-based foods that are full of fiber, your fruits, your vegetables, your whole grains. And I felt really good about it, but I was like, okay, let me start logging Mm -hmm. so I can just check in, see where I am. And when I started logging again, I noticed my fiber was not as high as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. I was actually not even close to where I probably should be every single day. And I thought, Bobby Marie, you're a dietitian. (laughs) Like, why are you not eating enough fiber every single day? So it was really eye-opening to me. You know, even as a dietitian, we can do these things where it points us to where we can start making changes. So being able to see that what I was doing every day wasn't getting me to my fiber goal, I can start making adjustments to now increase that. So it doesn't have to be about weight management when you're food logging. Mm -hmm. It can be about, you know, maybe we're trying to track our sodium intake. Yes. it may be that we, you know, for fluid reasons or, you know, cardiovascular reasons, you know, blood pressure management, that we want to know how much sodium we're getting. So food logging can be very helpful for that, too. Mm-hmm. So it is more about, you know, the awareness and the mindfulness so right. that we can create those goals. And it's beyond counting calories, too. So calories are important for weight management. Of course, we know um, – Weight management is complicated. Mm -hmm. We like to simplify it and say, okay, energy in, energy out. And yes, that is a big part of it. We do have to be consuming less energy, being in a calorie deficit than, you know, we're taking in, of course. So we want to be in that um, calorie deficit in order to create weight loss. If we're in a surplus, we will end up gaining weight. But how do we determine that when we have a lot of variables that can impact what the that looks like for each one of us, right? Mm-hmm. So having autoimmune disease can impact those needs or how much energy your body is utilizing every single day, right. how much you exercise, how much lean muscle mass that you have can influence that number. Um, it, you know, your stress can impact that, how much you're sleeping can impact that. So there's lots of different variables we have to take into place that can make that equation difficult to get to. So, in my fitness pal, looking at calories is one thing for sure, but we also want to be looking at the quality of what we're eating. Yes. Am I getting enough fiber every day? Am I getting the protein that I need every single day? If you're tracking your water, am I getting the water I need every single day to stay hydrated, right? And right. all of those things can be an important part of you know making sure your metabolism is you know working effectively too. So if what would you recommend to people <clears throat> who want to come up with a a diet and exercise plan well my first tip first pro tip here would be to find a registered dietitian mm-hmm. <laughs> i think that's it's 
always going to be a really great place to start in working with a nutrition professional. Right. And not all nutrition professionals are created equal. Um, I think in, you know, this is a big time right now in social media and you know where everyone is an expert on everything and a lot of people do a very convincing job of uh, making you think that they're an expert um so there's a lot of you know self-proclaimed coaches and Mm -hmm. nutritionists and i want to make very clear that in many many states nutritionist is not um a title that people can claim um, without being licensed. Um, so if people are saying that they're a nutritionist, um, sometimes they're saying they're a nutritionist, but they have no certification. They have no licensure. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not covered by any board of ethics or anything like that. So I want everyone to be very, very careful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Very, very careful with who they're choosing um, to work with um, as a nutrition professional. But that would be a really great place to start um, finding a nutrition professional in the form of a registered dietitian. Um, And they can help you sit down based on your background, your medical history, your preferences, if you have any allergies, things like that. Even looking at your relationships, looking at the house that you live in, what you have available to you, your Mm -hmm. environment, all of those things really need to be taken into consideration when you are creating an eating pattern that is realistic and sustainable for you. We don't want to be on a diet, right? Right. It's, It's not about being on a diet, but really creating an eating pattern that improves your health. Right. And can be sustainable for you for the long term that's that's the goal right and and there's not just um you know there's not just one diet or eating plan that works for everybody because everybody's different i want you know i wanted to point that out so yeah, yeah like um you know you need to find um a diet plan or an eating plan that is geared towards your needs you know what I mean yeah absolutely absolutely I I 100% agree with that statement because you know we're all going to be very different Mm -hmm. again not in our need uh, not only in our needs but in just what we like right I mean (laughs) every single day what kind of foods we like we have to take cultural preferences into account as well so you know some of us have um, important foods that are cultural foods for us mm-hmm. that um, we want to incorporate in. Um, and in some diet plans, if you're following like a fad diet or you know an eating pattern that excludes that food, that right. may not be very sustainable for you, right? Because it's part of your culture. It's part of what brings you joy. Mm-hmm. And I talk a lot with my patients about this too, that we have to create an eating pattern Again, that's not just realistic and sustainable for you, but that also brings you joy. Right. Yes. Because food is joy, right? Food is not just fuel. It is fuel for our body. It's a very important fuel for our body. But we also have to take into account that it is social. Mm -hmm. It creates joy for a lot of us. And so creating a healthy relationship with food is just as important as making sure that we're fueling our body with quality nutrition. Absolutely. The majority of the time. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more because I love to eat. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I agree Me when you too. say it's joy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I dance in my seat when I eat. <laughs> my little boy 
uh, or autoimmune diseases as a whole would be very helpful mm-hmm. um, because some of these autoimmune um, diseases may cause weight loss. Right, that's true. And so, yeah, and some do cause weight gain, um, but it it can make it really hard at the end of the day for a lot of people dealing with an autoimmune issue to just handle their weight, regardless of which way it goes, mm-hmm. because of the symptoms that we're experiencing. So when it comes to those that increase weight, that may cause weight gain, understanding where that's coming from can be helpful. So mm-hmm. people with autoimmune diseases often have to go on certain medications yes. that may be immune suppressants. Prednisone being one. Yeah, like prednisone. And when you're on long-term prednisone, that can absolutely cause weight gain. Now, Mm -hmm. if you're ever on prednisone for a short period of time, um, you know, those steroids for short periods, usually we don't don't see that type of effect. But for those with long-term use of prednisone, we absolutely can see weight gain. Yeah. So certain medications can do that, not just prednisone, but other medications can Mm -hmm. have that effect. And then the symptoms that you're experiencing, right? So the inflammation that is happening in the body mm-hmm. can impact different areas that impact things like our hunger hormones, yes. which may make us feel more hungry or less satisfied. It's much more common for us to feel less satisfied when we eat. Um, and then also, you know, our body is doing a really a lot of work to try to manage all of these symptoms that it's experiencing. So not only is it in this inflamed state, but it is using a lot of energy Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of these cases. So um, it can be an interesting dynamic to try to work with for weight management, but it is important instead of looking at, can I lose weight? Mm -hmm. I'm gaining all this weight. I have this autoimmune issue. I don't move as much because I'm hurting. Mm -hmm. Or when I do move, it causes me pain. Um, You know, that can be an experience for people for sure. Um, Or I just, I'm so tired, you know, I'm losing energy and I don't have the energy to move my body. And so that can be part of that weight gain. So the most important thing when we're, we have an autoimmune issue and we're, dealing with some of these unwanted side effects like weight gain Mm -hmm. is to make sure that you are fueling your body well and and give yourself some grace in the process too that your body is working really hard to just function every day yeah yeah give yourself some just grace and kindness in the process um but feed your body quality nutrition Mm -hmm. um the best thing that we can do is just make sure that we're getting the nutrition our body needs every single day. And if we can work against that inflammation in any way possible, that's great. So again, yeah. staying hydrated, making sure that we're getting you know, lean proteins and lots of those plant-based foods that are full of color. The more color you can eat, the better, right? So right. color means that we're getting all these different vitamins and minerals, of course, that our body needs, but also different colors provide us with antioxidants Mm -hmm. and antioxidants help fight against some of the oxidation in our body, some of the inflammation, Mm -hmm. right? So we want to feed our body those types of foods as much as we can. So, um, focusing more on 
how can I feed my body good quality nutrition? And it may not equal what, but it's going to make me feel better. That would be my main focus, right? Can we just make sure that you're getting the nutrition that you need? Yeah. If weight loss is a byproduct of that, great. But mm-hmm. the first thing we want to manage is, of course, just making sure you're getting the nutrition your body needs um, to heal and recover because it's dealing with so much when you have, you know, chronic illness, autoimmune disease. Right, right. And, you know, that was going to be my next question, um, you know, about weight loss, because a lot of times, you know, sometimes when you have these autoimmune diseases and, you know, different things going on like that, um, you can't really do a lot of exercise. So is it possible that um, you can lose weight with just what you eat or do you have to incorporate some type of exercise? Yeah, so exercise, of course, I don't encourage anyone to just look at exercise as a way to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we look at exercise in that way, we look at it almost as punishment, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, I've got to exercise to burn off that cupcake I just ate. <laughs> and yeah. and that, that's not really how it works. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit more complicated than that. So, you know, I encourage people to look at exercise when we can move our body Um, as a way to, again, maintain or even grow that lean muscle mass that we have. Mm -hmm. So incredibly important as we age. But also all the other benefits that we get from moving our body. Like we get, uh, we we use our glucose better. You know, so we're utilizing our glucose better. So the energy for our body is being used better when we are exercising. Our blood pressure is better managed when we are moving our body regularly. We tend to feel better. It's a great way to manage our stress. Mm-hmm. It um, also helps us with sleep when we move our body throughout the day. So there are all of these wonderful benefits to exercise that I think, you know, people don't think about, you know, that, that really should be the priority, the health benefits that we get rather than, oh, I need to exercise so that I can lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can lose weight without exercise, mm-hmm. but I would still encourage you to move your body. Even if you're not in the gym, mm-hmm. you don't have to be on the treadmill or running or any of those things traditionally but making sure that we're getting up throughout the day and yeah. moving our body, just that non-exercise activity, yeah. right? So that we're not uh, completely sedentary. So whatever that looks like for each one of us within the limitations that we have within our autoimmune disease or maybe mobility issues that we have, you know, work that movement in within your capability. And working with someone like a physical therapist or an exercise uh, kinesiologist would be very helpful. Someone who's very knowledgeable in functional movement can be helpful in establishing what movement might be best for you if you have those limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can manage weight with just nutrition. Um, You 
of course it can it can change the amount of energy that you need if we're not moving our body right right right. right. <laughs> so for more sedentary we may need less calories across the board throughout the day mm-hmm. but again working with a registered dietitian to kind of establish what that number might be for you would be very helpful but likely if we're not moving as much then that number overall will be lower so we would want to take that into account that we may not need as many calories throughout the day or as right. much energy throughout the day right. depending on uh, the situation now a lot of people love to snack i know i do <laughs> <laughs> snacking can be detrimental to your diet goals if if you are not snacking on the right things. Um, can you give us some examples of some healthy snacks? <laughs> sure. So, I, you know, I think that's an interesting statement because snacking can be great, but I think where most people have issues with snacking or where it might derail people is more about, you know, why are we snacking? Mm-hmm. You know, are we snacking out of boredom? Am I snacking because it's there? Am I snacking because I'm stressed? Really checking in with why we're eating, Mm -hmm. even if that's for a meal, is so helpful in listening to your body and saying, okay, am I hungry right now? Or am I just reaching for this because, you know, it's there. I'm bored and it looks good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that gets us here, you know, culturally, we have such a, a high availability of food and a wide variety of delicious, easy, convenience foods that it's very easy for us to pick up snacks regularly. Yeah. Right? So I think that goes back to just being aware of your eating pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, your habits throughout the day, maybe why we eat. Am I listening to my body? Do I eat when I'm hungry? Do I stop eating when I am satisfied? Or do I push to, you know, being overly full every single time? So understanding our own personal eating habits um, can help us to navigate some of these other goals that we may need to work on, like mindful eating. Mm-hmm. So in this case with snacks, Um, If you are hungry and you want to snack, I always encourage you to eat when you're hungry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So hunger is a normal physiological thing that our body does. It's a message our body sends us to say, hey, I need energy. So if you're hungry, I encourage you to eat. Okay, don't ignore that. Right. Um, But you're right in that what we choose can make a big difference in how satisfied we are mm-hmm. um, how our body reacts you know our blood sugar reaction so we uh, i always encourage all of my patients to make sure you have a protein and a fiber option so this isn't going to happen all the time right we're not perfect but if we can choose something that has a little bit of protein in it and some fiber, then that would be a really great option for a snack. So for instance, something really easy you could do would be maybe some Greek yogurt. Mm -hmm. And Greek yogurt has a high protein content, usually 12 to 15 grams for an individual serving. And then we could add something like berries to the top. So not only are we getting the Greek yogurt high in protein, but we're also adding some really great color to Mm -hmm. it with fiber and those antioxidants and all the nutrition that maybe the berries or the other type of fruit that we add to the top. So we're getting a good balance there um, that tastes good, but is also really nourishing to our body. Um, Something like 
a cheese stick with whole grain crackers. Yeah. <laughs> it could be another <laughs> option, right? Really simple, but when people think cheese and crackers, they go, oh, man, that's that doesn't sound very healthy. <laughs> but if we're choosing whole grain crackers, we're going to have some fiber content there, and your body does need carbohydrate. That's a whole other story. We could do a whole other podcast <laughs> on that, right? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> And then cheese, of course, is going to give us some of that protein as well. Um, And then another option uh, could be, and this is my little boy's favorite option for a snack, actually, is carrots or other vegetables, carrots, celery, cucumber, things like that, Mm -hmm. um, with hummus. Yeah. Yeah. I love hummus. A little bit of protein. Yeah, me too. Um, It is a little bit more of a fat source um it's made with olive oil but it does have a little bit of protein and fiber from the chickpeas mm-hmm. and um, it's delicious of yes. course and then we also get the color and the fiber from the vegetables that we're eating so another great little balanced snack there well let me and also too i was going to ask you what about people who don't necessarily who don't like water you know I, I've met people who like uh, water which I, I mean I, I love water but there's a lot of people who feel like they just have to have something um, yeah. in their water or something you know something else to drink other than water because they just don't like water what is some things that they that we can drink other than water that that would be a healthy um, source of, of, of uh, drinking yeah so you know when we're thinking about fluids every fluid that you drink is going to hydrate you in some way. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a myth that a lot of people carry with them that, oh, if you drink tea, that is not hydration. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, If you say, oh, well, coffee isn't hydrating. Coffee actually is hydrating. Um, Caffeine does have a slight diuretic effect on us. So Mm -hmm. anything that has caffeine is going to have just a slight, but it doesn't override the hydration that it also gives to us. So anytime you're drinking a fluid and even beyond that, if you are eating those plant-based foods like fruits and vegetables, Mm -hmm. a lot of those also have water content. So you're also hydrating your body when you consume those fruits and vegetables that have a lot of that fluid content too. So, you know, we just got through summertime, of course, you know, now we're in fall, first Mm -hmm. day of fall today. Um, and watermelon, you know, is a really great source of hydration Mm -hmm. in the summertime. So even when we're eating, we get some of that, but for people who are thinking about drinks, the biggest thing I work with on my patients is just making sure that we're not drinking things that have a lot of extra calories because mm-hmm. the calories in our drinks typically come from sugar and we already get a lot of added sugar in our diet and sugar is not bad for us. We, we can absolutely have sugar in our day-to-day diet. The problem ends up being that we get too much, mm-hmm. right? Way more than our body needs. And it's very easy for us to get a lot of extra sugar throughout the day. Um, and that can, of course, add to extra calories or extra adiposity that's added to our body or, or weight gain. Right. So managing how many calories we're getting in these liquid sources can be a really easy way not just to remove calories from our day, mm-hmm. but also to reduce our overall sugar intake. So that's my main focus on hydration is let's remove a lot of these high sugar beverages and 
re, you know, replace them with something that has a lower sugar content or no sugar content um, optimally. If you don't like the taste of water, which a lot of my patients do not, um, <laughs> they might have had to drink way too much of it when they were younger mm-hmm. or they just don't like the flavor of the water where they live, whatever that might be. You can also add flavor to your water in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, if you want to add like a flavor packet to your water, I'm not against that for my patients. Um, it's perfectly fine. Um, we're not adding sugar to it if it's sugar free. And then you can also um, do things like infuse your water with you know, lemon or lime, yeah. um, you know, different herbs. So, you know, in the fall, I've actually done this before. I've infused water, a big pitcher of water with cut up apples and uh, cinnamon sticks. Ooh. And it sounds kind of interesting, right? But um, it's just an apple cinnamon water. So, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, stuff like that's actually really good, though. Like when you yeah. said lemon, like I've, I use lemon in my water all the time. And, you know, it's really good. And we actually tried cucumber not too long ago, too. And it's really good. Yeah, it's a great way to just add a little bit of flavor to your water without adding all that extra sugar and uh, to change it up for those people who just cannot stand the taste of plain water. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and also, too, I just want to point out the other night, me and my husband, uh, we went to the store and I wanted a Snapple. <laughs> and so I got a Snapple and I was like, oh, it's just 100 calories. Well, I started looking at the bottle and it's four servings that is 100 calories per serving. Yeah. So one bottle is 400 calories. So be yeah. mindful of that because I was just at first like, oh my God, this is only 100 calories. And then I look and it's four servings. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, <laughs> that's how they get you. <laughs> Yeah, well, a couple of things to point out there that I love that you're doing. Number one, you're reading your labels, which is incredibly important, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't really know, you know, what's in our food as far as, you know, the nutrition content unless we're looking at our labels. And so, <laughs> yes. but the, the one thing um, that people tend to do when they're looking at labels is they tend to hyper-focus on one area, and that might be just the calories or Mm. just the carbohydrate or just the sodium and while all of those pieces on our label are very important if you have diabetes and you're watching your carbohydrate intake or your sugar intake then yes that part of the label is probably very very important to Mm -hmm. you and your health goals but none of those numbers are going to make sense unless we look at the serving size first. Right. Right. So it's kind of like your example of, oh, it's only 100 calories, but then you look at the serving size and it's four servings. Yes. And so a lot of our drinks, um, you know, we assume it's going to be the whole bottle, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. just the assumption. And a lot of our sodas and, you know, other drinks are that way where it's one bottle is the serving. But then some of our sports drinks, you know, vitamin waters and sports drinks like that, are two servings it's pretty typical for there to be two servings within the bottle mm-hmm. and then i actually didn't know that about snapple either <laughs> that it was yes. going to be four servings i was kind of surprised i don't know that i've seen a, a 
drink bottle have four servings in it like that before. So yeah. always important to look at your serving size first uh, because all of those other numbers are going to be based on that serving size. So it, it, to- it totally shocked me. I was just like, I have to I have to point this out to my listeners because I'm like, that, yeah. that was just shocking for me to see. <laughs> yeah, we're sometimes shocked on what the portion size might be on certain items. Yeah. Um, it might be a little bit smaller or mm-hmm. even bigger. And it doesn't mean that you only eat that serving size, right? So if the serving size on crackers, you know, is four crackers, that doesn't mean you have to only eat four crackers, but it gives you the idea of all of the nutrition information that, you know, the calories, the carbs, the fat, the sodium, the protein, all of that information based on a four cracker serving. Right. So it just gives you that information. And then you determine based on you, your needs, your hunger levels, how many crackers you're going to eat, right? Mm-hmm. So you might have 12 crackers if that's what you know suits you and, you know, it works for you know, your goals. Um, but you could also have just two crackers um, if you wanted to have less. So we don't have to just eat the serving size. Right, right, absolutely. Well, do you have anything else that you would like to share or add to today's segment? I know that you have shared a lot of great information today for our listeners out here. Oh, well, I, first, I just appreciate getting able, uh, being able to talk to you again and uh, catch up with you because it's yes. been way too long. Um, but also, I think adding in um, what I mentioned earlier, just really reemphasizing that even though I work in weight management and obesity, mm-hmm. um, obesity is a complicated disease, and we tend to kind of oversimplify things. Um, we, we do the extreme, right? We either oversimplify and say, well, it's just calories in, calories out, and we forget about all the other variables that can impact how hard it is to make these changes, you know, the environment um, and how it's, we live in an obesogenic environment. So it's very hard for us to make habit change and then to maintain those changes as we're losing weight or making, you know, lifestyle improvements. And then, yeah, also even beyond that, just making sure that we're focusing on, um, you know, improving our health first and foremost. Yes. Am I making changes to improve my health and not just make it about weight loss? Because if your focus is only losing weight, we can lose weight in a really unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. People do it all the time, right? We, we lose weight by following really restrictive eating patterns or eating patterns that completely cut out a lot of nutrition. Right. And it's not realistic, it's not sustainable, but it's also usually not very healthy for us as well. And then, you know, we forget the big picture that we're really trying to improve our health long term. Mm-hmm. So if it's not something that is helping us improve our health, if it's not something that we see ourselves doing for a long period of time, uh, for our lifetime, then it's it's really not worth us doing right. um, in that short period of time. So that would be my, my big takeaway. Focus on your health first. Absolutely. Weight loss. Weight loss will be a byproduct. Yes. And also work with a registered dietitian if you need some extra support. That accountability can be very, very helpful to get that um, support specific to you. I love that you, that you, that is, you know, your motto and, and that's, you know, what you, um, 
you know, what you tell your patients is, you know, don't focus solely on, um, on weight loss. I mean, you need to focus on your health first because that, you know, focusing on weight loss only too is a lot of pressure on, mm-hmm. on you, you know, and, um, and like, and like you said, it, it makes you, it's harder for you to stick with what you're doing because you have so much pressure on you. It's so easy to just fall off the wagon, you know, and, and not, um, you know, have complete your, or not, finish your your health your your goals of becoming healthy because you have so much pressure on you to just lose weight so I really like that you you know that that's how you what you feel and or or that's what you tell tell your patients because it's it's so true yeah and I don't know if you if you've shared kind of your weight management story Mm -hmm. with your listeners have you talked to them about that no no I haven't actually I think you need to I think that's a big part of um of course that's up to you to do but no 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 (laughs) I I mean and and definitely I will that is something that I should do um that I need to do um you know and you know, my weight management story started with you, you know, and that's why I'm so glad that I was able to get in touch with you and have you on here today, um, you know, and, and and not to really go in depth with my story because I know that we've been on here for quite a while and, and you know, but um, I, I, as all of you know, had the disease uh, NSIP and I, I, I was getting worse and worse and worse and I needed a transplant, but of course, um, I wasn't able to get it until I was at the right BMI. And so that's when I started seeing uh, Bobby Marie to try to get healthy, um, you know, well, number one, get more healthy, but then also try to lose the weight that I needed to lose. Um, And so, um, yeah, that's, you know, I ended up losing almost 100 pounds. all in all, but um, a lot of mine was fluid, but a lot of it too was, you know, um, you know, fat that I needed to lose. And so um, with Bobby Marie's techniques of, you know, helping me figure out, you know, doing the My Fitness Pal and, um, you know, helping me to figure out the foods that were things that I could substitute for uh, foods that I was taking in daily. And um, just really just overall just changing the way that I, um, you know, looked at food and, and how I ate and, you know, what this might be, you know, and trying new foods too. That was another thing, you know, trying new things uh, that I never tried that um, were actually healthy that I actually enjoyed. And so I was able to put some of those fattening foods to the side and, you know, you know, try new healthier options. And so that's, that's a big thing too. be open to trying new things, you know, trying, trying new foods that are, are more healthy and that you might be shocked that you actually might like them. So, but, but, um, yeah, like, um, but you know, in order for me to qualify for transplant, you know, I had to be a certain BMI. And so, um, that's really what started my weight loss journey. And so, yeah, um, and I couldn't have done it, you know, couldn't have started it without Bobby Marie. So I'm so thankful for her. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we got to meet and that you're my friend. Yeah. And that you're healthy and thriving. It just makes my heart so happy. 
Well, I appreciate you so much for coming on here today and allowing me to, to interview you. It's been so wonderful talking to you, and I know this interview really has educated and helped a lot of listeners out, out there. You've shared some amazing information. Um, and remember, if you out there have any questions or comments, please email me at thesilentbattle2022 at gmail.com. And always remember, life is tough, but so are you. Baba Marie, thank you so much again. Thank you, Erica. Everyone have a great rest of the day.